Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Laura Dirks of Interboro Spirits and Ales is here this week in a conversation that centers around the news dominating the beer industry. But first, an invitation to check out BeerEdge.com, where you can subscribe to the newsletter, check out the Defend Pilsner and This Week in Rauk Beer merch, read articles, and find podcast interviews. Also, check out Beer Edge on social media at The Beer Edge. NZ Hops is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer, Think Beer. Harvest has officially ended in New Zealand, and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Matsuika, Ruwaka, and the newest hop in the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruit notes layered with pine, citrus, and herbal notes offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding NZ Hops on social media. Brees has been malting barley for 145 years, and the fifth generation of family ownership is currently leading the company, but the values have always remained the same, producing the highest quality, most consistent malt, and working directly with their customers to help them succeed. From Pilsners to Porters and everything in between, Brees offers the finest handcrafted malts, extracts, and adjuncts to help you brew the perfect beer. Visit Brees.com or visit their social media channels to see and to learn more. As I mentioned briefly last week on the show, Brianne Allen of Notch Brewing has been sharing stories of women in the beer industry. So far, hundreds of women have come forward with stories of abuse, harassment, and worse by men in and around the brewing industry. Among the news and the announcements was a statement from Laura Dirks, the founder of Interboro Spirits and Ales in Brooklyn. In a signed note, she announced that it was postponing the brewery's upcoming Pills City Festival because two breweries that have come under fire were planning on participating. She wrote, quote, We cannot stand aside when some colleagues are physically or emotionally unsafe, feel unsafe, or not respected for their intellectual contributions in our community, regardless of who they are externally. End quote. Dirks and Jesse Ferguson founded the brewery in 2016 and have turned it into one of the most respective and innovative breweries in the city. Known for their beers, the company's spirit program is also known for great recipes, including a canned gin and tonic cocktail. Laura's been speaking out on social media about the treatment of women in the industry, and I'm grateful that she agreed to come on this show. This is a difficult subject that can't be ignored, and she offers up her own experiences and how the brewery is looking to be a leader in the space going forward. She spoke to me over Zoom from Brooklyn. Here's our conversation. While some people claim to be surprised by what's happening, um, you, you actually wrote on, on social media last week, quote, no woman in any industry has escaped this, whether they're open about it or not. We've just been taught not to talk about it. That time needs to be over and face the difficult path forward uh, towards truth and reconciliation. And then I signed another statement um, you, you, you talked about this happening to you uh, within the brewing community and in academia and tech and finance and the military um, throughout your life. And I, I, I wonder if you remember the first instance something like that happened to you after you got into the beer and beverage industry. So since I founded uh, Interborough, um, you know, the first things that, that you do, right. Um, when you're going to start a business, the size that Interboro is, is that you raise capital, right? So we, 
we raised some capital in order to build a brewery of the size that we're at. We're uh, we have a thirty barrel brew house. We do ask. spirits. Yeah, we do spirits as well. So my vision was that we'd be where we are right now, despite everything else that's happening. Um, that we're about to release our first whiskey. So that means that we had to invest a, a, a fair amount of capital in buying equipment, uh, the brew house, the, all the cellar equipment, uh, all the distillery equipment, all the barrels that we were going to need uh, in the intervening years before we could release a whiskey and do all of this, right? So it's a fair amount of capital. Some of that's mine. And some of that, you know, I had to look outside. So the first thing that happened uh, in sort of this whole uh, journey was that Jesse and I were on a call. We had probably had a couple meetings already with this group of investors. And um, they were my age. Now I'm, I'm 53 to give you some sense of, of, of how long I've been around on the planet. But we had... You know, Jesse and I were sitting at my kitchen table. We were having a conference call with this group of investors and they're, you know, middle-aged. Um, and I say that broadly, <laughs> 40s, 50s um, in, uh, in, you know, finance. And we had gone through the financial projections that I had built. We'd gone through a number of questions and then you sort of wrapping up at the end. And uh, one of the guys said, so, you know, um, just want to ask this question. He says, so how are you going to be a good mom and run this business? Oof. Jesse's chin, I think, hit the counter. <laughs> I think he had two small children at that time. I have three, um, but older, a little, not terribly older, but, you know, they were your kids are older than Jesse's kids. Yeah, my kids are older than Jesse's kids. My kids were, I guess, 10, uh, 11, 8, and 7 at that time. Um, but Jesse's kids were smaller. Yeah. They did not ask him uh, how he would be a good dad. So, you know, we paused. I was grateful at that moment that we were on a conference call, not even Zoom. So nobody could see my face um, and I had to answer it. Um, and so I answered it with, you know, I have a nanny uh, who's going to help me. Uh, my husband, super helpful at home. Um, I think I can do this. And the guy said, okay. And they did invest with us. Uh, but it's, um, it, it's, it's pretty ingrained. It happens at a lot of turns. After that was probably when one of these investors brought someone in to visit when we were opening, probably the soft opening. And I was introduced, we were introduced as the founders together, Jesse and I. And the other, the guest said to me, so glad you're allowing Jesse to live his dream. Um, wow. And the, my investor, my poor investor guy, his jaw hit the ground. Uh, but he did not correct his friend. Um, and I didn't say anything. I don't even know what happened. I think Jesse intervened to save me, um, to just be like, yeah, let me show you around or something like that. But the gentleman was not corrected in any way. Um, it, the polite company kind of thing. Um, yeah. 
but that happens more than often, more often than not, you know, and that's in the sort of just ignored kind of category or, you know, people make assumptions. Um, and those assumptions are usually along those lines, right? So that's, that's sort of where it starts, I'd say. Yeah. And, and you've worked in other arenas beforehand. Um, yeah, as you put in this statement, as I, I, I read just before of, you know, tech and academia and finance. Um, when you first started thinking about getting into the beverage industry, especially like craft, right, which has, at least from the outside, had a pretty decent PR campaign of, you know, we're different, we're not the big players, we're welcoming, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what was... I, I, I don't know. It, it, has hard. that just been smoke and mirrors? Has that just been I, willful I ignorance yeah, or? I don't think so. I think there's a general, I think there's a general shift in society towards more being more welcoming, welcoming and inclusive. And in fact, as we've sort of ironically right at this time been sort of working on really going back and, and setting core values for the company, inclusivity comes up um, from everyone. Uh, we want to be inclusive. We want our company to reflect the city we live in. We want that to be the case. Um, whether it's true or not, you know, is always the thing. Um, yeah. Society around us is not like that. Um, so I do believe that there's an intent to be that way. Uh, I think the reality on the ground can be different um, and it can be hard, uh, even with the best intentions. Um, we certainly even in our, you know, uh, for us, you know, struggling when you have a couple candidates and some candidates have more experience than other candidates. And that is, you know, the predetermined kinds of things that come into who gets that experience, the shot at that the first time, right? Mm -hmm. Who's given that first opportunity so that they can get the second. Um, and that, you know, has their biases that just lead to that. So, um, but the best we can do is try. And I think that we have, you know, like we had come out last week, we have a lot of space to grow. And there are a lot of people who have powerful positions in the industry um, who can then, you know, impact the impact other people's abilities to succeed. Um, and, and, you know, we just get more people, honestly, we get more African-American people, more women in powers of, of uh, in positions of power so that they can make more of those decisions. And I hope that that is the, the path towards change. When you talk about core values, it, it, some of the conversations that I've had over the, the course of the last week uh, with brewers, uh, with owners that are sort of uh, reconciling with mistakes that they've made and, and, and ways that their business can be, can be better. A lot of them have said, you know, when I started this, I was in my 20s. Um, I was kind of stupid. Um, you know, I was more focused on making sure that you know, my hats looked cool. Um, as opposed to making sure that I had, you know, good employee practices in place, you know, because, you know, hats are fun in your 20s and employee practices are not fun in your 20s or, you know, at, at any age. When 
when you think about core values and you think about new people getting into the industry um, or, you know, people rethinking uh, how their business should be, what are the core values that you're thinking about? What are the core values that you want to be uh, representative of Interboro? Well, bringing people together has always been one of the things that I've had in my head about what I want the company to do. Um, we want to do what, you know, probably comes up with every business of our type, right, and consumer packaged goods, regardless of producing great products, right? Um, but, but the whole idea in in hospitality, in any hospitality, is to bring people together and figuring out ways that we can bring people together actively um, by making people feel comfortable, by being educational, by being non-judgmental mm -hmm. about what people bring to the party. You know, um, do they know anything about craft beer or craft spirits? Do they know, do they come with preconceived notions about what they like or don't like? Um, have they had any experience before at all um, with the kinds of beverages we produce? And just being very welcoming um, is, is def definitely on the, on the top of the list. Um, and that leads to some of that inclusivity. Um, uh, the, the, that's really the, the top, top thing. Um, you know, from the company perspective, we have the same thing um, internally right? We have to be tolerant of each other and welcoming and wanting to build that team and be open and honest about our mistakes, open and honest about making change. Um, the idea of making sure that there's not judgment when something goes wrong. How do we postmortem things and make sure that we're all coming together and being like, yeah, mistakes were made, you know, mm -hmm. like that's, that happens. No matter what, no matter what you do, there are going to be mistakes, whether it's because you didn't see COVID coming or you didn't expect something to, you know, some snowstorm, uh, things that you can't predict. And then other yeah. things where maybe you could have predicted it or should have predicted it or something. And somebody is clearly sort of falling down on the part of part of their job, or maybe they didn't know it was their job, you know, um, having that kind of um, ability for people to come together without judgment uh, internally and externally is, is definitely a key. More with Laura in just a moment, but first, a word from this episode's sponsors, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. Brees is the original craft maltster and currently offers the broadest product line in the industry. Brees's barley is grown in the Bighorn Basin of Wyoming and Montana, where warm days, cool nights, and floodwater irrigation yield some of the highest quality barley in the United States. And if you're thinking about beer competitions and the newly announced New Zealand Pale Ale and New Zealand IPA categories, visit NZ Hops online at nzhops.co.nz or find them on social media. There you'll learn about varieties bursting with white wine, stone fruit, tropical fruit aromas, and more. Hops from New Zealand are unlike any others found on the globe. Discover them today. And now back to my conversation with Laura Dirks of Interborough Spirits and Ales in Brooklyn. A lot of these stories that have come up and 
a lot of the interactions, it, it's been largely focused on people within the brewing industry um, or hospitality industry um, uh, interacting with other people in the hospitality industry or, or, or brewing industry. But the inclusivity thing also extends to the consumer base as well, which has also been um, another narrative that has come out of some of these these stories as well of, you know, who walks through your door and how are they treating uh, staffs? How are they treating other patrons? How are they treating the people that they're with? Um, it, it, as you start to think about, you know, opening back up again in Interborough, um, you know, like most breweries now, um, I, I'm not even saying post COVID, but um, with vaccine rates up and, and restrictions lessened. Um, are, are you thinking about that as well of proper behavior yeah. within your walls by consumers? Yeah, for sure. Um, COVID, of course, complicates everything. Um, it sure does. Yeah. Everyone interacts in the brewery, um, in the tap room and how that all comes together. We've had, you know, just the shift in staff um, and having to reset in a lot of ways uh, because, you know, people moved away and things shifted as we had to, you know, furlough people back last March. Um, and so we are still working towards, you know, how do we, how do we make sure that we have a balanced staff internally that helps us to bring people in, uh, that there are people behind the bar that, that are welcoming to them and can invite everybody in. Um, and then that the staff, inter that, the, that the customers interact with our staff well as well. You know, that it's, um, it's very hard. Everybody's kind of relearning it, I think, as we come back. Um, it's gone really, really pretty well so far. Um, we've had a lot of customers in and things are growing um, week after week. It's a little bit higher each week, a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, we all have to relearn it, I think. Relearn how to interact with each other. Yeah. But also just on, on, on Steal This Beer this week, uh, Megan Parisi of Boston Beer was on and we were talking about the consumer experience and, you know, somebody who says something demeaning to a, uh, to a server or to a bartender or something along those lines and, you know, how come action isn't taken more often and she summed it up pretty succinctly with, you know, it's money. Um, and you want to make sure that, you know, the, the lights can stay on. And so sometimes people look the other way. Um, have, I, I don't know how much Interborough has experienced bad actors at the bar. Um, but is that something well, that you're, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you that, you know, with, with all of this that has happened right in the industry, um, we had a pretty frank conversation at our all hands meeting last week uh, to make very, very clear to our staff that we, we don't tolerate any of this behavior uh, from anyone in our premises, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter who they are. Um, if it's visiting brewers, if it's customers, if yeah. it's staff, between staff, um, that that anyone who feels, you know, it, it anyone who feels that someone has crossed a line like this, 
that it's important that we talk about it um, and important that we kind of really, really take it seriously no matter what, because it is about this not just letting it happen and turning a blind eye that allows it to continue. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it. We say, well, it was just a joke or, you know, they're just trying to be funny or they didn't really mean it. All of those things soft pedal the reality of the fact that we're not addressing it head on. So when something happens, um, something needs to be said. Um, and even if it's that, you know, yes, it was sort of like at the edge, it wasn't really meant in that direction. Like somebody miss, somebody interpreted, I won't even say misinterpreted, I will say interpreted because communication is 50%, you know, the person speaking and 50% the person hearing, right? So if something is interpreted in a different way than the intention of the speaker, then we address it. Um, and, and it's an educational moment. It's a moment to talk about, well, this is how I hear that. This is what I'm experiencing when you're saying that. Um, because otherwise, we don't move on. We can't, we can't get anywhere uh, with that. And, and I would say that, you know, it, it's, it's not, the, the money comes later, right? You know, yeah. you, you can't have that experience. If I allow somebody to come in and speak poorly to a server and be like, you know, just be a bad actor in some fashion, you know, what's to say that there aren't three customers who experience that at, in our space and then say, well, I'm not coming back here. Right. So it, it really is, it doesn't help either. Right. To take that person's money, because honestly, there's somebody who's standing there going, you know what, this isn't the kind of place that I want to frequent. Right? Yeah. And it's not the kind of what place I want to have. So is it, you know, or the kind of people I want to, I want my, my, you know, staff to be, you know, to feel supported and feel like they're in a safe place. So it doesn't get us anywhere to, to just let it lie. There's also, I think with the renewed attention or first time attention or however people are approaching this, there's also going to be guilt by association. If, if, if folks don't speak up going forward or, um, yes you know, properly distance themselves, uh, you know, from very bad actors. And last week, uh, you put up a a statement and part of what I read at the top of the show uh, uh, came from that. But you had a festival coming up, which, you know, I I think was something that we all were looking forward to just festival season again, or just getting back out into the world. And this one around Pilsner's um, certainly. I think was exciting for, for, for a lot of folks, but two of the breweries that came under um, intense scrutiny um, and just terrible stories uh, from employees, um, you know, coming out allegedly about them, um, were going to be part of this festival. Um, How did that news land at the brewery? Well, you know, as this all unwound on Instagram, and the allegations were coming through, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a shock. And, you know, we, you know, we do, you know, we, we have Pill City and, and it is an event that we invite other brewers to participate in. And, you know, to be honest, these folks are people we know through the industry and not necessarily people we know very well personally. 
um, we know their products and we know their companies. And, you know, there are varying levels of how we actually know them as people. Um, and it was really devastating um, to see that and to feel the guilt by association. And I'll tell you that as it started to, to go down the path of looking like we were going to need to cancel the event um, or not, you know, to postpone it is what mm -hmm. we've actually done. Yeah. Uh, because these two breweries were involved and other breweries started to be started to be wary of the fact that, you know what, the, the God's honest truth is we don't, we don't know each other very well at all. None of us do in some ways. So but, like what else is going to come out, you know, and, yeah. and so like, what about the other people on the list? And, and, you know, I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, and so as that started to come part of the scenes and we realized that we would have to postpone the event, um, I, I honestly just got very angry. <laughs> I got very angry as a woman owner, right? Um, with two women who have worked so hard on this event as, as the primary people working on this event, that this would be the end result of, of what happened with this event felt really, really painful. Um, was really painful and really hard and really sad, you know, with it coming from out of this COVID land, you know, we were looking forward to it a lot as sort of like the light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, it was really, really painful, uh, very, very painful to have to postpone it. But in the end felt like that was really the only path forward. Some of the breweries were like, no, it's all good. We'll go forward. Other breweries were like, you know what, we're just going to cancel and post. We're just not going to participate in anything for a little while. Yeah. Till we sort of understand, um, you know, if there's any other, you know, um, shoes to fall, say, you know, out of the whole thing. Um, they but, just, you know, they were just wary as they should be. I mean, we yeah. just don't know. And again, like I said, we don't, we all know each other from these festivals and we're there a couple days together with a large amount of people. And, you know, and we're all pouring beer at our own tables and, you know, we don't, we, we're acquaintances at best a lot, a lot of times, you know? Yeah. The, the two breweries that you mentioned in your statement um, uh, that, that, had a lot of attention and still do on them, uh, Tired Hands in Pennsylvania, Modern Times in California. Um, did anybody at your brewery have a conversation with them before you made this announcement? It was happening so quickly uh, that we did not. We we could not. And it was hard uh, because it, there, there are individuals who were called out, the founders in these cases, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there are, there are, whole teams affected um and and then associated as well themselves with with the bad actions that uh you know the allegations and and it was it just felt so terrible um at the time we thought we might be able to we might be able to hold the event still um if we were able to sort of kind of go okay well here's here's what we could do but it was um yeah we were we we did not contact them first, unfortunately. And it's, it's hard. It's yeah. Hard. But, but that brings up what I find to, to be so interesting because, you know, people say, oh, okay, you know, Interboro uh, was going to do something with Brewery X and Brewery X is, is, you know, bad actors. Um, it, 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 
it isn't always as clear cut as, as some people think, like it, there are, you know, a brewer might know a brewer or somebody on a packaging line might know somebody in sales and vice versa. And it's just, Oh yeah, they're cool. And they have a nice beer. And, and, and there aren't these, you know, deeper levels of, you know, is the owner a dirtbag, you know, or like what, whatever, you know, the larger story may be. Um, as you think about going forward with festivals and events, have you all had conversations about vetting in a different way or thinking about it in a different way? Like, is it? We definitely have to. We definitely yeah. have to. Okay. Uh, I think the the you know the association that happens with businesses um, needs to be needs to be you know, walked back from a standpoint of that it can't be that casual. And I, and I would say that in most industries, it probably isn't as casual as we had been um, in beer with this. Um, and that's a shame in some ways, you know, um, it's a little loss of innocence um, that we just, we're going to have to walk back uh, for you know, just to make sure that we understand how, how things go down in other in other places before we have those associations again. You talk about um, being on uh, early on. I read, you know, the time needs to be over and face the difficult path towards truth and reconciliation. Um, you've been out there with statements. You've been on social media. Um, uh, you know, talking with folks uh, uh, about this and having a lot of conversations, um, uh, I, I imagine, um, behind the scenes as well, and not only, you know, uh, public arenas like this, but, um, you know, quietly among uh, people that you know. Do, do you think there are actually more people on this path towards truth and reconciliation um, than, than there were 10 days ago, two weeks ago? I think so. I think so. I think that um, there are more people who came out of their, you know, silence with this than before. There are certainly things that I've never told anybody about. Um, the um, The irony of all of this was that, you know, the one kind of horrible thing, I mean, not that the other things weren't horrible to be you know, sort of completely ignored as the founder and CEO of business uh, to my face isn't horrible. But the the horrible thing of like that the last event that I was at in Miami before COVID, um, I had not said anything about the fact that I was physically attacked at that event. Um, now, it wasn't at the event. I shouldn't say it that way. It was sort of ancillary to being, you know, being there for a couple beer festivals. Um, and, um, you know, I hadn't told the people that were there with me. I hadn't told my husband, I hadn't told, you know, even our, 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 uh, office, uh, manager, our back office people who I'm very, very close friends with. I didn't say anything when I came back, um, about what had happened. Uh, I think we're, you know, we're at a point where people are more willing to just say like, look, this is what happened to me. Um, you know, the, the reality, the backdrop to all of this is that 
women forever had been in the situation of like, well, what were you wearing is the question, you know, what were you doing that brought this upon yourself? Um, and so we've been trained to not even bother uh, bringing it up. And it's kind of a, a reflex at this point. Um, one of my employees actually said this was the first job she's ever had, ever in her entire life, that she wasn't surrounded by sexist comments or lewd, you know, sort of uh, statements at work. Um, and and it and she said that the sad part is is that she was surprised. You know, she was surprised at the absence of it, um, which says a lot about yeah. what we expect. Um, what what our baseline is um so we have to change that we have to change that as being what we expect in life um and that our lives are you know it matters our experience matters have you gotten since you've been talking about miami have people reached out with support with regret with actual you know, you say this is not, you've said several times in statements, this is not the time for platitudes. Um, yeah. Are, are, has I, there been meaningful action, steps towards meaningful action? Uh, not that I know of. Let me just say that. And I'll tell you that the tough, one of the tough things to, to wrangle with this is that this isn't, this isn't news to, to, to women, you know, yeah. this isn't, we're tired of talking about it. Um, and even one of, one of my male employees said today that he's tired of talking about it. He's tired of talking about it. And he said it in a good way. You know, we, we're, we've been talking a lot about it. Um, and, and there are a lot of male allies, a lot of men out there. And I have had people reach out um, from my past who said, you know, I'm really sorry to hear this and I'm here for you. And that's meaningful. Um, the, where we go from here, um, is really, you know, the, the, the truth and rec reconciliation phrase, I didn't use that lightly. Yeah. There's a certain bit of the fact that we all have to move together and you can't put everybody in jail. You know, you can't, it, it's not going to be like that. Right. But we have to acknowledge that this is the reality and we have to figure out a way forward. And we have to acknowledge the truth of what happens every day, uh, what happens to people and, and not ignore that either. Um, and I think that, you know, moving forward, making sure that all of our environments are uh, set up in a way that there's open communication about anything that happens uh, that people feel safe coming forward to say what's happened, that there's less um, retribution. Yeah. That uh, a woman doesn't feel like she's going to get fired if she says that something happened to her. Um, she doesn't feel like she has to do something or, you know, it, it, that that this is something that we that we put more systems in place. And and for craft beer, you know, it is where where a lot of small businesses and a lot of, you know, not a lot of HR departments or you yeah. know, anonymous reporting systems, you know, um, I, I'm hopeful that 
the, you know, that we can kind of build this together. We have some bigger entities, the Brewers Association, these things. We, we have to look at how do we come together to build a system that will support this and not blame people for coming forward, blame the victims. Yeah. Because that's really the path towards making it change. Is the open the open communication around it. It's, I've been having conversations with my wife uh, about this as well. And she sort of said the same thing that, you know, um, if people are surprised, they really shouldn't be because you know, this is not something to be surprised about or not something that uh, um, uh, has not been happening. Um, you, you mentioned being tired. It, it, in many ways, I feel like the for, 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 for people who are just paying attention now, um, the real work has to begin to uh, fight the good fight and, 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 and win it. Um, for, for, for those who, who are tired, um, and I guess, you know, for, for you who are tired, um, what gives you the energy to, 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 to go on? Does anything, can anything? The fact that all these women stepped up is inspiring. Um, there were so many stories and so many people that stepped up to say, this isn't, this is what happened to me. And that, that really is, that's a change. That's a change. As we're thinking about this summer, um, we're headed into Memorial Day weekend and unofficial start of summer. And as you think about the next three months of you know, what this summer could be for Interborough and the industry at, 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 at large, um, what to you would be a good sign of, or, or even a small sign of progress by the time this summer is over? That's a, it's a tough question. Um, I think that I'd like to see more more women coming together on a regular basis. I mean, we are starting to do this uh, here in the city, um, and and maybe making sure that we have some some better ways to to keep track of, of anything that happens, uh, would be what I I'd say in the short term, right. Mm -hmm. That we come together and, and develop some better ways to, to report issues as they come up. Um, here in New York city, we've got the pink boot society, you know, um, we've got a chapter here. Um, we've got, we actually have our own Slack channel or Slack, uh, workspace that we all communicate in. Um, but I think some, you know, the challenges are how do we, how do we make sure that there is a way to, to keep talking about this and talk about it in a way that we can carry that forward to our, to our male, you know, allies in this um, to make sure that we continue to change. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time today and for sharing what's happening with you and with Interborough and the, the, the world at large. Um, I know these aren't easy conversations, certainly not for, um, for, for anybody, but they're necessary. And, and I've really appreciated reading your voice um, online and through the brewery. So thanks for 
thanks for doing an audio portion of that and, and spending thank some time on the, on the show this week. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity. My thanks to Laura for taking the time and for sharing her experiences. Check out what Interboro is doing by going to interboro.nyc. And you can also check out BeerEdge.com for articles, to subscribe to the newsletter, to check out the merch like Camp Rauk Beer, and more. And if you're interested in supporting independent journalism, you can learn more about advertising by reaching out to Liz Melby at Liz at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, NZ Hops is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer, Think Beer. Harvest has officially ended in New Zealand, and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Matuika, Rawaka, and the newest hop in the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruits layered with pine, citrus, and herbal notes offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding NZ Hops on social media. Embrice has been malting barley for 145 years, and the fifth generation of family ownership is currently leading the company. But the values have always remained the same, producing the highest quality, most consistent malt, and working directly with their customers to help them succeed. From pilsners to porters and everything in between, Brice offers the finest handcrafted malts, extracts, and adjuncts to help you brew the perfect beer. Visit Brice.com or visit their social media channels to see and to learn more. That's it for this week. Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. Remember to defend Pilsner. I'm John Hall, and new episodes release every Wednesday. That's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.